when I was growing up, there were times when I did not do what my parents told me to do. And I'm sure that's shocking for some of y'all to hear, right? But for some of y'all that know me real well, you know that's not too shocking, right? It's true, and I'm, I'm just being honest. And, and, and kids, you kids who are in here this morning, I'm sure if you ask your parents, they would tell you the exact same thing. And when I would not mind my mom or my dad, I would get in trouble for it, especially if they told me to do something more than once. There were times when I had been told to do something not once, not twice, but three times or more, and I didn't do it, and I'd get punished for it. And my mom and dad would tell me, if we tell you to do something, we expect you to do it, especially if we say it more than once. Parents, how many of y'all have said that in here? We got our kids in here. Kids, how many of y'all have heard your parents say that? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's right. And at times, after telling my girls to do something more than once, and I've already asked my girls for forgiveness, you know, they're going to be used as an example a lot in here this morning because that's the perks of being a pastor's kid. But at times, with, with my girls, after telling them to do something more than once, I'll tell them, I'm not going to tell you again. Which means, if you don't mind, after the second time of me telling you, there's going to be consequences. Well, guess what? We have a Heavenly Father who has given us commands in His Word. He has clearly laid out for us how we're to live for Him and certain commands He gives us more than a few times in His Word. And we're going to talk about one of those commands this morning. And like with our earthly parents, when our Heavenly Father says something more than once, we need to really pay attention to what is being said and take seriously what He's saying and follow Him in obedience. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 6. A few weeks ago, we were in Ephesians 5, and we looked at verse 18 of Ephesians 5, where Paul tells the believers of his day and us as greater Christian audience that to walk worthy for God, one must be filled with the Spirit of God. And we explained what Paul means when he says this. We said that to be filled with the Spirit means that we are to come under the control, come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We are to live our lives under His authority and under His influence. And Paul tells us that when we do that, when we conduct our lives in this way, with that comes a variety of fruitful results. One being that we come to understand and value the relationships God has given us in the way that He intends. Paul explains in Ephesians 5.21 that when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, one result is that we submit to one another the way God has called for us to submit out of a reverence for Christ. We explained that Paul goes on after calling for us 
to place ourselves under the proper authorities that God has given us, Paul goes on to give us three contexts where we are to either exercise authority or place ourselves under authority. And notice, all three of these take place in the home. These are what many call the household codes. And these household codes tell us how we are to conduct ourselves in the home. Paul tells us that these household codes tell us wives are to submit to their husbands, children are to obey and submit to their parents, slaves are to be subject to their masters. Last week, we talked about the husband and wife relationship, and next week, we're going to discuss the master-slave relationship, which I'm sure a large number of you will come back for to see how I deal with that text. That'll be interesting. But today, we are going to look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and we're going to be discussing the relationship between children and parents. And we're going to begin with the kids because that's where Paul begins. And kids, this is the reason why I've had your parents keep you in here this morning because Paul has something to say to you kids in here this morning and then he'll get to the parents, okay? Look at what Paul has to say to you kids in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. He says this. He basically says this. Here's the first point. Children, obey your parents. That's it. Look at verse 1. Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now let's stop there for a minute. Kids, let me ask you something. You understand what this is saying right here? Obey your parents? It's pretty easy, right? You know, Paul had a gift of knowing who his audience was. And he knew how to address those he was ministering to. And he knows how to address kids here, doesn't he? I mean, kids, is there anything about this verse that you don't understand? I mean, Paul is not speaking over your heads here. This is one of the clearest teachings in the scriptures. My four and six-year-old, Ava and Edie, they understand that verse of Scripture. This is a very clear and simple teaching that is mentioned over and over again in the Scriptures. And by the way, like we said earlier, this should tell you kids something because you see this mentioned that you're to obey your parents, honor your father and mother over and over again, clearly in the Scriptures. That should tell you kids Old and young, sons and daughters, God really wants you to get this. And Paul makes it very easy to understand. God makes it clear in his word. Like I said, my girls are six, four, and one. And though joy is not there yet, when our older two disobey after disciplining them at times i will take them to ephesians chapter 6 or leslie will take them to colossians three twenty, where paul says children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the lord now again ava and Edie are six and four there's a lot of things they don't yet understand about the scriptures but they know what that means and they know what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 6. 
Paul, in both of these verses, is calling for children to obey their parents, to honor them, honor your father and mother, by placing yourselves under their authority and doing what they say. And here in Ephesians 6, Paul gives us three very clear, very simple reasons, kids, why you should obey your parents. The first reason is this, number one, because it is right. It is right. It's just the right thing to do, Paul says. Look at Ephesians 6, 1 again. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul says, kids, you're to obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. Pretty simple, right? And it's true. And we learn this, parents, not just in Scripture, but in our world, don't we? We do. This is just the the natural flow, the natural order of things, parents. Not just here, but everywhere. Almost everywhere you go, children are expected to be under the authority of their parents and submit to their authority. And everybody knows that. Even kids who are rebellious or parents with rebellious kids know the reason why it's called rebellion is because kids or to be under the authority of their parents. Remember one time I was in Nicaragua, and I was supposed to be listening to what was being said, but I was watching this family in front of me. It was a husband and wife and their two kids, and their two boys were scuffling, you know, and they were acting up. And I mean, those parents looked down there with the look all of us know, right? And they said something in Spanish, and I mean, those boys straightened up, and they didn't move an inch, for the rest of the time. Now, I don't speak Spanish, but I'm pretty clear what was said to them. It's probably something along the lines of, if you don't straighten up, you're going to get it when we get home. Right? I mean, parental authority is just, it's universal. You see it in Nicaragua, you see it here, you see it everywhere. Even in our day, parents, when the family structure is being attacked and is breaking down and parents at times let their kids run all over them, we know that's not right, don't we? We know that's backwards. I was in a bookstore a while back and a, and a, a mom was in there with uh, three kids. One of the kids was, was yelling, I hate you, to his mom back and forth just over and over again. Another was knocking books off the shelves. They were fighting and scuffling, and, and the mom just wasn't, she was just kind of going on. And uh, some of us, you couldn't help but watch because it was taking place right in front of us. Now, I didn't dare say anything because I know about kids acting up in public, you know, and uh, know how that can feel at times. But, but be honest, we know when we see that, that's not right. All of us know kids shouldn't be acting in that way. That's backwards. I mean, parents, even in our messed up culture, we know that's messed up, don't we? We do. Paul is very clear that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for it is right. He says, kids, you should obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. It's the natural order of things. Parents, Paul is saying, when your kids disobey, they are rebelling against that which is woven into the very fabric of society. When they rebel against you, they are in violation 
of this natural created order of things. So Paul says, kids, that's the one reason why you should obey, because it's right. Here's the second one right here. Because it is commanded. Kids, you are commanded by God to obey your parents. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Kids, God has commanded that you honor your father and mother and obey them. He has clearly said that you are to place yourself under their authority. You're to submit to their leadership. You're to listen to them. You're to obey them. You're to do what they say. It's number five on God's Big Ten Commandments. Do you know that? Exodus 20, verse 12, God says, Honor your father and mother. Now think about this for a minute. This comes right after four commandments that are all about God. In the first four commandments, they're all about God. How we worship Him, how we approach Him, what we say to Him, what we say about Him. And then right on the heels of those four commandments, right after those four commandments about God, before you get to murder, adultery, stealing, lying, you have God's clear command that children are to honor their parents. And again, kids, is this that hard to see that this is what's being said here? It's pretty clear, right? You're to obey your parents because it is commanded by God. Parents, how many of your kids, when you tell them to do something, how many of them respond with, but why, Dad? Why, Mom? How many? Honest. Kids, how many of you say that? Be honest. Yeah. And parents, how many of you respond with, because I said so? Kids, I I see some kids' hands flying up. You've heard that. Well, get this. Paul gives us something here, parents, that packs an even bigger punch. Next time you're asked by your kids why they have to obey, you tell them, because God said so. It's what it teaches. This is a command given by God. And parents, hear me when I say this. If you allow disobedience to slide, you know what you're communicating to your kids? That obedience to God is not a big deal. Tell our girls this a lot. I tell them when they disobey mom or dad, I have to discipline them because they've disobeyed God. And I cannot be okay with that because God's not okay with that. It's sin, plain and simple. Notice Paul also says that this command is coupled with a promise, which brings us to our third and final reason why you kids are to obey. Not just because it's right, not just because it is commanded, but because it's rewarded. It's rewarded. Kids, there is blessing in obedience. Did you know that? Blessed are those who obey. We're told that in the scriptures. Look at the end of verse 2 and verse 3. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul says that this commandment carries with it a promise and a blessing. Look at uh, Exodus 20 verse 12. I've got it up on the screen here. Look at this. This is commandment number 5. From the Big Ten, God's Ten Commandments. In it, God says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, 
What do you think is meant here when God says to his people that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you? Well, bear with me, parents and kids, while I give a quick Bible story, okay? All right? The audience here, who God's talking to here, were the children of Israel. This is after they had been delivered. They were in Egypt, remember? God sends Moses in, says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. God starts sending plagues and plagues and plagues. And finally, after that last plague, Pharaoh says, I think I'm going to let them go. Okay? And so Moses, led off by God, leads God's people out into the wilderness. And they have a wild and crazy time trying to get to the land in which God promises them because they continue to disobey but god gives them a command he is he is giving them commands here because god is preparing his people to get ready to live in this land that he has promised his people and he wants them to know before you guys go into the land i want you to know that i am your god And you are to be my people. And as long as you remember that and live under my authority, you'll be able to stay in the land. But he tells them all throughout the Old Testament, if you disobey me, there'll be consequences. I'm going to punish you if you disobey. I'm going to remove you from the land. And you say, what does that have to do with the fifth commandment? Well, you know what God knew? God knew obedience begins in the home. He knew that children who honor their parents and are are taught to obey in the Lord more often than not, not always, but more often than not, grow up to honor God in their life. So there is this direct connection between children honoring their parents and the future of Israel in the promised land. But notice in Ephesians 6.2, Paul repeats what is said here in Exodus. He says, look at it again, verse 2, Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, we know how verse 3 of Ephesians applies to the Israelites in the Old Testament. We just talked about that, okay? But how did it apply to those in Paul's day, and how does it apply to us today? Well, I think what Paul's doing here is he is quoting this Old Testament command just to remind us that there is blessing and obedience. Just as there was blessing and obedience in in Moses' day and in Israel's day, there is blessing in obedience today. There is. You're blessed when you obey. Now, our obedience doesn't force God's hand, okay? I'm not saying that, parents. I'm not saying if you do everything God says, God is obligated to give you exactly what you want. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying there's a clear teaching in Scripture that along with obedience comes blessing. And that's what Paul's saying here. Kids, let me bring you back. When you obey your parents in the Lord, not only are you doing what's right and what is commanded, but when you obey, that obedience can bring with it blessing and does bring with it blessing. Jesus said very clear, Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, listen to this, 
Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Pretty simple once again, right? Jesus could speak to everybody as well, couldn't he? He said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Kids, the best advice I can give you this morning is this. Jesus' words in Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Kids, you need to get into God's word. You need to become students of God's word. You need to hear God's word. You need to read God's word. You need to study God's word. You need to believe God's word. You need to do God's word. And parents, I'm not talking about Phariseeism here. I'm not just talking about outward obedience. I'm talking about your kids believing what God has said in his word. I'm talking about your kids believing first and foremost that they've been created by God, for God, and believing that he has sent his son for them. I'm talking about you sharing that with them so that they can be saved by God to live for God so that they can actually hear God's word and keep it that's the path to true blessing okay now parents pause a word for you as well not only does he tell your kids to obey you but he says parents shepherd your children look at the first part of verse 4 Paul says fathers do not provoke your children to anger Now, though this verse applies to both fathers and mothers, there's a reason why Paul just mentions fathers here. This fits the context. Paul, beginning in Ephesians 5, verse 22, is talking about male leadership, male headship in the home. And he is reinforcing that here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Men just often want to focus on the fact that they're head of their wife. They want to nail that down. That's about it. Don't stop there, guys. You are also the head of your children. You're the head of the household. Now, though Paul clearly states in verses 1 through 3 that children are to submit to the authority of both parents, Paul does not let dads pass all of the parental responsibility off on the moms. That was happening in Paul's day, and it happens today, doesn't it? Paul lays this command down upon the fathers because husbands and fathers, get this, are to be the chief shepherd, the chief discipler in the home. They are to disciple their wives, Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. Go back and look at that, guys. And they are also to be the chief shepherd of their children. Husbands, dads, you're the chief discipler of your home, whether you like it or not. You're the head of your household, and you're the main one who's going to answer to God for what takes place there, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the way God has set this thing up. Look at what Bodie Bauckham said on it. I love this. A man is the head and the leader of his home, and there is nothing he can do about that. He will either lead effectively or he will lead poorly, but he will lead. A man failing to lead is actually a man leading in failure. Wow. Guys, we have a huge responsibility as a husband and father. 
Paul gives us some wonderful advice here in verse 4 on how to shepherd our kids effectively. And, and ladies, moms, this is for you as well, okay? This is for you also. He says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. He says, parents, you are not to parent your children in such a way that our children are then turned away from God and turned over to anger, but rather we are to shepherd our children with loving discipline and godly instruction, and we are to lead our children into a right relationship with the Lord. First notice he says, don't provoke them to anger. Now kids, Paul is not saying, listen to me kids, I'm back to you. Paul is not saying here that your parents are never to make you mad. Okay? That is not what this passage is saying. Sorry, kids. There are going to be times when you want to do something and your parents are going to say no and you'll get mad about it. That's okay. Parents, it's your job to exercise discernment over your kids' activities for their own well-being. And at times, kids, they'll say no for good reason, but you won't think it's a good reason, and you'll get upset about that, and you won't understand that's okay. Your parents can do that. It's not time for you to be head of your household. You're not ready for that. God has set this thing up. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is calling for parents to do is to parent their children like God parents us in a just and right way and also with grace and mercy. He is telling parents to parent in a loving way, get this, that does not create resentment, but that produces godliness. Notice he says, with discipline and instruction. Parents, we must discipline our children. We think often the loving act is just to kind of look the other way, sweep it under the rug. But Scripture is clear that that is not true love. True love is discipline. Through discipline, we direct our kids back. We shepherd them back to the right path, to God's way, to God's path. That's what discipline is for. So we must discipline our children. But listen, there is a difference between disciplining our kids for the purpose of godliness and provoking our children to anger and resentment. There is a balance between this. And the differences, I believe, between the two is the way you discipline and your motive for discipline. Again, the kind of discipline that honors God is when it is done in accordance with the scripture and for the purpose of godliness and when it is coupled with godly communication and godly instruction. For those of y'all still wondering, what does this look like? Well, I brought some practical Examples of how to shepherd your children in a God-honoring way. One is this. Number one, don't demand perfection. Teach salvation. Don't demand perfect obedience. Teach your children about their sinfulness and their need of a Savior. I, I have parents tell me this at times. They say, well, my kid's only six. I mean, how much can you teach them about sin at six? Lots. Lots. How much can you teach a four-year-old about sin? Just ask Evie. Seriously, parents. 
They disobey a lot. They rebel a lot. Like it or not, they are little sinners. Right? They are. So you have all kinds of opportunities to teach them about the sin in their lives and in their world. Listen, folks, no matter how much you teach your children, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, your kids are going to disobey. And when they disobey, you need to discipline them. But instead of getting infuriated because your kids are not demonstrating perfect obedience... You need to take those opportunities to address that their hearts need to be changed. When our kids mess up, I'll often sit them down. I'll tell them, you know why you disobeyed your dad or mom? It's because you wanted to. You did. And the reason you want to rebel against your parents is because your heart is not right. It's wicked and it needs to be changed. And dad's praying that God changes your heart. And I share the gospel with them because, folks, listen, that's what they need. Hear me when I say this. Though we need to address behavior, we must not stop there. We don't want to create Pharisees, folks. Get this. There is a lot of moralism being taught in the home and very little gospel. That's a problem. We don't just want our kids to abide by a set of rules. We need them to be changed from the inside out. And you need to tell them that. Remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees? He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. Pretty on the outside, dead on the inside. Believers, we don't want Pharisees. We want saints. I don't want my my kids to act in a way that's socially acceptable. I want them saved. I want them changed from the inside out. And get this, when they change from the inside out, the outside changes. And if it doesn't, you got a problem. If your kid claims to be a follower of Christ and just doesn't follow Christ, our works don't make us saved. They reveal us to be saved, though. The Spirit of God, when He indwells us, He doesn't go stagnant, folks. He works. And though we mess up, we move forward. Here's another principle for you, parents. Don't provoke your kids by forcing them to be godly, but shepherd your kids through prayer, personal example, and precept or or teaching. There are many parents who will spend hours upon hours a day telling their kids how they're supposed to act and, not how, and, and how they're not to act, but they will not spend a second in prayer for their kids' salvation and not a moment's time instructing their kids on salvation from the Word of God. There are parents today who call their kids to live one way while they do the exact opposite as well. Again, listen to what Jesus said about the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He says, don't be like the Pharisees, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Parents, we're not to shepherd in this way as well. We're not to shepherd like this. We are to lead by example. We're to lead in prayer, and we're to lead in teaching. 
Listen to what Ligon Duncan said on this. He said, the main way we as parents advance the faith in the lives of our children is through prayer, our personal example, and through instructing them in the truth of God's word. There's one more principle that I have here for you, and it's this. This may be a tough one for some of you. Don't address your kids' failures without addressing your own. For your kids to learn how to deal with their sin, they need to see how you deal with your sin. Serious. I'm not saying confess everything to them, but but be honest. Your kids are with you all the time, right? And at times, they see you at your worst. And on that bad day, when your kids witness you lose it, don't you dare sweep it under the rug and treat it like it's nothing. When you sin openly in front of your kids or maybe you sin against them you're you're disciplining them you lose your temper you yell you go crazy yell at your wife whatever and your kids see that though you need to still discipline your children you need to be honest about your sin if you sin against your children ask for forgiveness leslie and i do that a lot We have to show your kids you take your sin seriously by confessing your sin before them and then talk about how your sins have been covered by Christ and share the gospel with them. Again, parents, we don't want to parent like Pharisees, but instead like a humble under-shepherd of the Lord. If you're looking for a great book or books on parenting, there's none better for, for younger parents than Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. In my opinion, there's none better. He and his wife wrote one, Instructing a Child's Heart. And his brother, who's also a, an excellent counselor, Paul David Tripp, wrote one for teens called Age of Opportunity. I'm going to keep these up for a minute. You can write these down. Get these, folks. You will not regret it, okay? Before we close today, this sermon on parenting, I, I, don't, I don't think it would be complete if we left here today without focusing on the perfect parent-child-father-son relationship that exists between God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Parents, we, kids as well, we have the perfect picture of what a father-son relationship is to look like when we look at the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Scripture clearly shows us that God the Father and His Son, they exist in a loving relationship with one another, yet, as we talked about already, you see authority and submission between the two. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 that the head of Christ is God the Father, and we see that play out in Christ's earthly ministry. He was sent by the Father to do the will of the Father, to the glory of the Father. And we also learn that Jesus in his humanity is led by God's Spirit, and as a result, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with his Father. And we're also told that he was obedient to his Father to the point of death, Paul says in Philippians, even death on a cross. And when it came time for Christ to go to the cross he said in Matthew 26 my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me but then he said in the very same breath nevertheless not as I will but as you will 
Folks, there's not a better example, a greater picture of authority and submission in our Bibles than the authority and submission that exists in the relationship between the Father and the Son. And Scripture makes it clear once again. Paul says this in in Philippians 2, that Christ, he was obedient, to his father to the point of death even death on a cross and paul says later in that passage that jesus ultimately did what he did though we're saved in the process and he did it for that reason he also ultimately did it to the glory of god the father and our text tells us today children are to honor their father and mother so that it will go well with them and so they will live long in the land folks the gospel tells us that Jesus honored his father. He submitted to his authority. He went to the cross so that through him we could be made right with our heavenly father and live not just a long life, but an eternal life with him in his presence in the land he is preparing for us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel right there. Maybe you're here this morning and your life up till now has been completely counter to what we've been talking about in this passage. Maybe you were an unruly child at a young age, and instead of placing yourselves under your parents' authority, you rebelled against their authority. And you've been in rebellion against authority to this very day. Maybe you grew up in a home where you were not shepherded by your father and your mother in accordance with the scriptures, but were provoked to anger and therefore turned away from God and his gospel and turned away from him. Or maybe your parents did what they were called to do, but you turned away anyways. And you think, is there any hope for me? You're grown now. You've moved on. Maybe your parents are no longer with us, with you, or maybe you have no contact with them whatsoever. Or maybe you messed up with your children. Maybe Ephesians 6.4 was not a guiding principle in your parenting and your kids are grown now and you wonder if there's any hope for you and them. There is. Scripture says that there is. Through Jesus, you can come to experience the love and acceptance and guidance of a heavenly father and through that relationship, your relationship with others can improve they can be restored they can be made right it doesn't always happen but it does happen but it starts with you stepping off the throne of your life surrendering your life to god's son as your lord it's what it takes if you've never made that decision pray you would today let's pray